All right. Again, it is a pleasure to be in the Lord's house today, to worship Him in song, to worship Him in prayer. And now as we turn to God's Word, we're going to worship Him through the preaching of the Word. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them to Philippians chapter 3 as we continue our study in this uh, grand epistle. Today I'd like to talk to you about the people around you who have the most influence on your life. Today, I want to talk about what Paul addresses here in our text in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17, and that's finding and following after godly examples. So let's read our text today. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, and it's going to be part of a whole uh, unit starting at verse 17 all the way through 21. The word of the Lord says, brethren, join in following my example. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose destruction, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, now as I deliver your word, God, that it would be your word and not mine. Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would Bring forth your word, God, to draw us near to you, to conform us to Christ. Father, those that are not in Christ, that are either here today or listening or watching, I pray that you would use these words to open up their hearts and bring them to repentance and faith. And may Christ be glorified in this place today, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, it's been said for... Hundreds of years that you are the company that you keep. We've heard that often, right? You've heard expressions that have been around for many years, like he that lies with dogs will rise with fleas. Or if you play in the pig pen, you're going to come out and you're going to stink, right? That idea that you are and you become the people around you has been an idea out there for hundreds of years. Uh, Years ago, there was a quote by a man, and he said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you think about it, that holds true, doesn't it? And that's a very biblical, it's a very biblical perspective. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs 13.20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 14.7 says, Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. Because you'll be negatively influenced by that fool. That's why you won't be able to discern words of knowledge. Proverbs 22.24 says, Do not associate with a man that's given to anger. Or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. The truth is, friends, that you will ultimately become like those whom you, A, spend the most time with, B, watch or observe, and that's either real life or on a screen, those who you listen to, 
and ultimately those who you follow. Now, as stated here previously in the text, in the preceding text, and in my last sermon last weekend, our aim and our ultimate goal and our our overwhelming disposition in life is, as a believer, is to become like Christ. That's what our aim should be. So naturally, to become like Christ, we should spend as much time as we can with Christ. Amen? By using the uh, means of grace through prayer, through reading and studying the scripture, by attending and worshiping uh, the Lord on the Lord's day. But I want to ask you a question. Is that sufficient? And that is a tricky question because Christ is sufficient. We know that. Christ is sufficient for salvation. And Christ ultimately is sufficient for sanctification. But I ask you, is it sufficient to only have Christ and not to to be positively influenced by anybody else in our world? So I would say if you were on an island by yourself in a sense of our sanctification, that you have Christ and and that's sufficient. And ultimately, Christ is always sufficient. But what we're going to learn in our text is because we are imperfect creatures. Because we're still fallen and we're still imperfect and we still sin as believers. And we are seeking to be conformed to Christ. We need and we need to find and mark other godly examples in our life to emulate. While also marking and avoiding influences that are enemies of Christ. So friends, frankly, we need more discernment to find out who it is that we should be spending our time with. And who we should be following in a sense of following uh, a Christ. So again, I don't want you to hear where I'm not saying Christ is sufficient, but the scriptures are clear and we'll see today that while Christ is sufficient, we also need to find other fallen creatures that, that emulate Christ and we need to follow them and mimic them as they mimic Christ. Because we live in such an individualistic society, don't we? A society where we're completely autonomous in our sinful state. And even in the Christian church where, uh, you know, I have, I have God. It's a personal relationship. I don't need anybody else. I don't, need, I don't need the church. I don't need other people because they're sinful. Why would I want to follow other sinful people? Right? All I have is Christ. And again, friends, in a sense, yes, all we need is Christ. But there is a, a ditch on that other side where we feel like we don't need anyone. We don't need to have personal relationships and follow other people because they're sinful. Now, friends, that is frankly not a biblical position, and that's what we're going to see in our text today. We're not made, you and I, we're not made to walk this walk completely alone by ourselves. And the idea, the broad idea of following and imitating godly examples is all throughout Scripture. It's not isolated to this one text. You go all the way back to Genesis. Let's start at Abraham. You have Genesis 18, 19, where the Lord's speaking. And listen to what the Lord says. He says, for I have chosen him, speaking of Abraham, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that uh, what he has spoken about him. Did you catch that in there? When God says, I've chosen Abraham so that he would command his children and his household after him. You see where it puts the onus on Abraham is to follow God and follow his statutes so that he could bring his children and his household to follow after him. 
And it says, if you look at the text, to do what? After Abraham, not to be like how great Abraham is, but to keep the way of the Lord. That's the key. By doing righteousness and justice. And then, friends, all throughout Proverbs, specifically the first half of Proverbs, what do you constantly see the father encouraging his son to do? Son, listen to me. Son, follow my commandments. Son, come with me. Son, look what I'm doing. Son, listen to my words. Hold my words tight. Is not Solomon there saying, son, follow me. Come, watch what I do. Listen to what I'm saying. In Hebrews 13, verse 7, it says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Hebrews 6, 12, again, says, So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We know the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, and then in verse 11, says this, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. That's 4, verse 16. Chapter 11, 1, he says, Be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So you see, friends, and that's just a sample of Scripture. That idea and the topic of following after godly examples is all throughout Scripture. And on the other side of that, Scripture is replete with texts on you and I being a good example for then others to follow. Amen? Just a few, 1 Timothy 4.12, the Apostle Paul says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Show yourself as an example of those who believe. Titus 2.7, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 5.3, To the elders of the church, he says, Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your flock, but proving to be examples to the flock. You know, and I find it interesting, most of, the, uh, most of the commands in Scripture to be a good example are either to the fathers or the leaders of the church. And so that has been very humbling for me as one who is, will be the lead pastor of our congregation, that I'm to be an example. Uh, and a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of weight to that. Um, fathers, we are to be examples uh, for our household. Husbands, that we are to be examples for our wives so that they see us pursuing Christ and they want to follow after us. You see, friends, because we can't see and touch our Lord Jesus Christ today, we know the things we ought to do, right? When we see that flesh out in a sinful person, when we see that a sinful person is able to overcome their sinfulness and exalted Christ in their actions, we see that that does something to us. And I'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute. But why is this so important? Why is it so important that we would follow after godly examples? Well, in our previous text, again, we looked at what our goal as the Christian life should be. What is our primary goal? And that is to pursue Christ-likeness. 
to be all consumed with running the, wanting to win the prize, the prize of being like Christ for his glory. So Paul in the preceding text gives the what of the Christian life. What is our, what is our aim and our goal? What should it be? He gives that. And now in verse 17 through 21, he gives the how. Okay, now how do I do this? I know what to do. I desire to do it. Now how do I do it? And the first thing he addresses is to find godly examples. And by following godly examples, friends, it's important. It's so vital because it helps us to grow in conformance to Christ. And if you recall, what is the reason God saved you? Romans 8, 29. Remember that text? He predestined you not to just escape hell, although that is a benefit. He saved you according to Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 29. He predestined you. He chose beforehand so that you would be conformed to the image of his son. In this life, in sanctification, and ultimately in glorification, which Paul addresses here in verse 21, where he will conform us Conform our humble bodies into the body of his glory and our ultimate glorification. We will be like Christ in our sinless states. So verse 17 here is part of a section where Paul lays out the ways by which we are to grow in Christ likeness. First here in 17, model after godly examples. And we'll look at that today. Next time, we'll look at verses 18 and 19, which is avoiding the ungodly influences that are enemies of Christ, that helps us to grow in our Christ-likeness. And then we'll look at verses 20 to 21 uh, next time on remembering that our citizenship is not here on earth. These are all ways that we are to grow in Christ-likeness. And then if you follow the text to chapter 4, verse 1, And remember that the chapter breaks are not inspired. So this is one continual thought. Paul in chapter 4, verse 1, says, In this way stand firm in the Lord. In this way stand firm. In what way? In the way that he just described, starting with running to be like Christ, to be conformed to Christ, all the way through verse 21. This is the way that you stand firm in your faith is becoming more like Christ. So with that in mind, let's look at our text today, verse 17, where Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. There's three simple truths I want to lay out in this text today. The first truth is this, and I've said it, I'm going to say it again and we'll look at the text, and that is believers need to proactively seek godly examples to follow. Believers need to proactively seek out godly examples to follow. The first thing in our text in 17, he addresses the brethren. Okay, that's, that's important. Don't miss that. Because this message is only for those who are in Christ. Because if you are outside of Christ, following godly examples, it does nothing for your salvation. As a matter of fact, it only adds to your condemnation. Why? Because when you're outside of Christ and you're following godly examples, you're just building up your morality, which when you're outside of Christ, you cannot please the Father by doing good works. Therefore, you're only adding to your condemnation because 
you're doing these works not for the glory of God. You, you absolutely can't do it for the glory of God. So that's the first thing to keep in mind is that he addresses the brethren. Then he says, join in following my example. Now, this is essentially two words in the Greek. First, he says, uses the word ginomai, which is a verb. It means to become or actually to come into existence. And the other word he uses, which means to be fellow imitators of, of me. He uses the personal pronoun of me. So essentially, he's saying, become fellow imitators of me. He's telling the Philippians and in the plural sense, you will all become fellow imitators of me. Well, how arrogant of you, Paul, to, to tell a whole church to join together and imitate me. And that word imitate literally means to be a type or a pattern or, or an example. Like an, it only, it's used as, as an imprint. So you have an imprint, a model, and Paul is saying, join together and follow my model. And you might think, wow, that's really arrogant of Paul, and it's actually not. Uh, but if you look at verse 9 of the next chapter, he, he says what seems to be a little bit more of boasting, but I'll explain why that is not in a minute. He says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Did you catch what he said? Do the things that I'm telling you to do and, and God will give you peace. The God of peace will be with you. I mean, can you imagine if a pastor came up here and said, hey, do exactly everything that I'm doing and you will have the peace of God. I mean, that sounds a bit arrogant, doesn't it? But friends, you've got to remember what Paul has been through. You've got to remember by the grace of God, God humbled this man in such a way and God, by, the, by, his, by his grace, has modeled and given him so revelation of what it means to walk after Christ. So I don't think Paul is being boastful at all. It's only by the grace of God could he say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's the key, friends. It's not follow me because of me. It's follow me as I follow Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to, to, to convey to the church of Philippi. And the word there where he says, uses ginomai, that is in the imperative. It's a, it's a command. He tells them to... Be fellow imitators. He's commanding them to imitate him as he, of course, imitates Christ. And then he says to not only imitate himself, but he also says, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. When Paul says observe, this word in the original language means to fix one eyes upon. It's not just, oh, I'm observing you know, the birds of the air. It's to fix your eyes upon and you're, you're locked in. It means to mark that person. Literally, it means to, to mark, uh, to look intently. And then he uses the word for, for walking and that's a, an illustration for the Christian walk. Paul is saying here, imitate me, but not only me, but mark those, intently seek out and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. So again, that pattern is like, it's an imprint. So Paul is saying that we have given you, we've given you the pattern or the model for what it means to walk like Christ walked. Now find those people, he is saying, and follow after the same in the same 
manner. Now, remember the context of this passage. Again, Paul is saying we're pressing on. I'm forgetting what lies ahead and I'm reaching forward for the goal, which is Christ likeness, which is sanctification, which is growing in holiness. Amen. It's working out what Christ has already worked in you, which is righteousness by faith alone and salvation by faith alone. Now, Paul knows after saying we need to seek out Christ as our number one goal in life, to be like Christ. That is our aim. That is our, that is our goal. He knows that we need or that we are imperfect. And he knows that we need imperfect people to show us the way to follow after Christ. We need to learn from fallen men and women. We need to learn how they deal with their sinfulness. We need to learn how they grow in holiness. You know, years ago, when my oldest children uh, were just little, I suffered uh, with the sin of anger. I would literally yell out of anger. Uh, I used to blame it on I had an uh, officer uh, a father in the army, and that's, that was his way of, of telling us what to do. We just barked orders all day. He's a loving dad, but that's what I learned. But also, God showed me that I had that anger in my heart that I had to deal with. And I'm not talking about like a stern correction. I mean, I would literally yell out of anger. And crush my uh, children's spirit. And I knew that it was sinful. I prayed that the Lord would change me. I wanted to be like Christ. And it took seeing that example played out in front of me. It took that example of seeing another father seeking to be like Christ. Facing the same situation with the same aged kids. But seeing how they respond. Oh wow. You respond in a very Christ-like way. You know, he got down on their level. He took them aside and, and didn't call them out in front of everybody. And he, he handled it in such a godly way. That I said, okay, I saw that. And guess what I did? I started to mimic that. So do you see where we're going with this? I was following a godly man as he was following Christ. And praise God, I, I, don't, I can't tell you it's been years since, um, by the grace of God, that I have not yelled out of anger to my children. And it took God bringing godly examples into my life to illustrate and to show what it means to follow after Christ. But of course, I know nobody here suffers with sin, so we'll just move on. Uh, but I wanted to give you a personal illustration to kind of put meat with the test. We're running the race. Now, the goal is Christ. The goal is not to become like others. If you turn back one chapter in Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives us the ultimate example, which is always Christ. And that's chapter two. If you look at starting at verse two, he says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not look merely after your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this Attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. So, friends, never forget that our ultimate goal and our ultimate aim is Christ Himself. We should never forget that. But it's not an either or, it's a both and. It's ultimate to become like Christ, and we need to follow those who are ahead of us, pressing on, growing in Christ likeness. This text he illustrates, uh, or the text I preached last time gave us the illustration of running a race, of sprinting to end 
uh, to win the race and you see the mark and it's Christ and you're running to win. Well, while you're running, you see somebody ahead of you that's doing better than you. And you notice, while they have a, a bit of a different form, they're doing better. I need to do what they do, not so that I can be like that person, but so that I can run better the race to be like Christ. Amen? It is imperative, friends. It's imperative. We must find godly examples to follow. But not only that, not only are we commanded to find godly examples to follow, but we are commanded and believers must find personal godly examples to follow. Believers must find personal godly examples to follow. Now, did you catch the difference between the first point? Sounds sounded the exact same, didn't it? But the key word there that's different is personal. Now, I want you to underline that. We must find personal godly examples to follow. What do I mean by that? Don't miss this, friends. Paul says, follow me. And then he says, the pattern you have in us. He's referring to himself, who the Philippians knew personally. The Philippians knew Paul because he founded the church. And then he says, the pattern, observe, observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Well, who's the us? Well, at the very least, it's him and Timothy. Because if you look at chapter one, verse one, he addresses the Philippians, Paul and Timothy. But I also believe he's including Epaphroditus, who earlier in the chapter preceding commended Epaphroditus to the church of Philippi to receive uh, back. Because do you remember Epaphroditus was part of the church of Philippi? Paul calls Epaphroditus their messenger and the minister to my needs. So what happened was the church of Philippi sent Epaphroditus, who was probably a deacon or maybe even an elder, sent Epaphroditus to the church of Philippi to minister to Paul's needs. Now Paul sends him back. So they personally knew Epaphroditus. They knew his good traits. They knew his bad traits. And Timothy, more than likely, was there when Paul founded the church. If you look back at Acts chapter 16, Paul meets Timothy, who's this young believer. And then immediately they go and then they end up in Philippi in the middle of the chapter. So more than likely, Timothy was there when Paul founded the church. Then on his next missionary journey, it says very briefly later on in Acts that he went through Philippi. And more than likely, Timothy was with him there. So why do I tell you that? The Philippians knew Paul personally. They knew Timothy personally. And they knew Epaphroditus personally. Paul says, follow the pattern you have that, that you have in us. Not those super apostles that you've never heard about. Not all of the people that are, you know, Famous in their own right. Not the people you don't know. Follow the people that you do know. Not those celebrity theologians. You know, to give you another example, someone that I follow in doctrine is Vodi Bakum. I enjoy listening to him. I enjoy learning from him. But he is not a godly example that I am to follow because I, don't, I simply don't know him. Do you see why I wanted to stress that? Because there is a... Um, an imbalance to the growth of the Reformation doctrines in our country 
where we tend to elevate these super preachers and elevate these super pastors. And you find more people following after these celebrity theologians than following the people that God has given them inside of their own congregation. So the key there is we must find personal godly believers. And to do that, friends, we have to spend time with people. We have to get to know people. We have to be in fellowship with people so that we can recognize and mark those who follow the pattern that the Apostle Paul lays out in this epistle. And that becomes difficult, does it not? It becomes very difficult because what happens when you spend more time with somebody? Well, you recognize that Wow, they're, they're pretty simple. You spend enough time with me, you're going to recognize that I have besetting sins. When I spend enough time with you, I'm going to recognize that you have besetting sins. And that's kind of a struggle when it comes to churches. You know, I've met people, and there's nobody here, that, you know, they hop around churches every six months to a year. And the church that they find is the greatest church in the world. And then they find out all of the sin in the people. And then they're disappointed, they're let down, and they move on to another church. So friends, it becomes a very hard thing. No doubt the Philippians knew and recognized Paul's sin, but that's just how we grow together. And we grow together by seeing the sin in people, but if we see the sin in somebody, and we see that they, they don't like it, and they're truly following after Christ, friends, that's somebody to mark. That's somebody to observe because... We see that they're seeking to grow in holiness. They're seeking to grow in godliness. So we must find personal godly examples to emulate. Third and final point. Believers must discern what the actual pattern is that they're following. So when Paul says here in our text that to observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. There's a specific pattern that Paul is speaking about here. And this is the discernment that we need to have as followers of Christ to know who we are to follow after and who we're not to follow after. You know, we're not to follow after somebody because they just seem like a very generally nice person, although that's a good godly characteristic. But there's a specific pattern. There's a specific imprint that God gives us through this book of Philippians to know what is the pattern we are to discern and follow in others. What is this pattern? Well, at a very high level, friends, if you look at verses 10 through 15, we see at a very high level what that pattern is. It's somebody who is, who is seeking to become like Christ. Somebody that who is seeking to know Christ, verse 10 who is seeking to know the power of the resurrection as a reality in their life to mortify their flesh, to get rid of the sin in their life, to seek Christ in his holiness. That's the high-level pattern that Paul is referring to here. But also, there's more details in the patterns that Paul is referencing back in chapter 2 when he commends Epaphroditus and Timothy. You see, in chapter 2, Paul gives us the ultimate example to follow, which is Christ. Then he gives Timothy as an example. Then he gives Epaphroditus as an example. And he gives specific godly attributes that he commends in Timothy and Epaphroditus. And these are the godly attributes that I believe Paul is referring to when he says, observe those who walk after the pattern that you have in us. So what are those examples? 
Well, Timothy's example, if you look at chapter 2, starting at verse 20 through 22, he commends Timothy by saying he has a genuine love and care for others. That's something you ought to observe in others, a genuine love and care for others. He also put the glory of Christ first, verse 21. We ought to look for those in other believers, that they put the glory of Christ first. And then in verse 22, we ought to look for believers who labor hard to further the gospel. That they labor hard to further the gospel. And that's what Timothy did with the Apostle Paul. And number four, Timothy exemplifies what it means to be a submissive believer in Christ and how he he worked with Paul as a, as a son, worked with his father. Paul, Timothy was a submissive servant to the apostle Paul. And we should look for those who emulate that and we should follow them as they follow Christ. And then the pattern in Epaphroditus, you have three things that I see starting in verse 25 and to 27. We see that Epaphroditus works in a unified and humble and submissive way to advance the gospel. As Paul says, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. He worked in a unified way, in a humble way, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to look for those and observe those who work in a submissive, humble, and unified manner to advance the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He also, Epaphroditus, had a deep desire to minister to God's people in verse 26. You see that he was longing for the Philippians. He desired, he was distressed because the Philippians heard that he was sick. Epaphroditus had a longing to minister to the people of God, and we too should look and observe those who have that same pattern. And then in verse 27, we see that Epaphroditus will risk their own life for the sake of Christ. Epaphroditus risked his own life to go be a minister to Paul and his needs. And we ought to look for those who would risk their own very life for the sake of Christ. This is the pattern that Paul is referencing in verse 17 of chapter 3. This is the pattern that you and I, friends, need to, to discern enough and be proactive to look for in other believers and follow those believers. We should look for them and mark them. This pattern, if you notice, who was Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus? They were all leaders in the church, were they not? So it all starts with leadership. Husbands, it starts with you. And in the church, it starts with the leaders of the church. They should be the examples uh, for the congregation, for the flock to example. And quite frankly, that weighed very heavily and it still weighs very heavily on me, because I know how short that I fall. I know my besetting sins. Um, you guys probably only know the half of them. Uh, and so that's very convicting. But friends, we need to do that. We need to look for other. And this is, not, this is not limited to the local church. This is not limited, especially our congregation is so small uh, for now. But this is not limited to the local church, although I do believe how Paul's writing to the local church in Philippi that that should be our primary focus within the local church to follow godly examples in the church. Because who do you spend more of your time with? In the worship of God on Sundays, in church activities. Uh, so it's not limited to the local church because we have believers that are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in other local churches. 
And we ought to mark them out and seek to follow their godly examples as they follow Christ. So brothers and sisters, in conclusion, I ask that you would examine yourself. First of all, do you desire to be conformed to the image of Christ? Is that your heart's desire? Is it your heart's desire to conform yourself to the image of Christ, even if it's something you don't really like? Even if it's something that brings you out of your comfort zone? Even if the scripture contradicts the things that you want. I know it does me. There's things often that I'm like, yeah, I don't like that, but the word of God says, do it this way. Trust the Lord. Is that your desire? Although it may be imperfect, is that your desire? I pray that it is. If that's your attitude to press on for the goal, if that's you, I would ask, are you living an imbalanced, individualistic life where there's no room in your life to find and model others and model their pattern of living that's given here by Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. See, we can't see Paul. We can't watch Paul. We, can't, we can read about him. Uh, we can't see. We can't watch Timothy. We can read about him, right? Who in your life do you need to spend more time with? Who in your life do you need to spend less time with? Now, as we'll see next time in our text, we're going to look at who we need to avoid at all costs. And those are the enemies of Christ. And we'll look at that next time. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have given us by your power all that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to evaluate our own hearts. God, those that seek to be like Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would, first of all, put godly examples in their life that they can emulate. Lord, I pray specifically for our besetting sins, Lord, that you would put godly examples in our lives that would help us and model the very things we struggle with, that we can look to see what a fallen, redeemed sinner, how they overcome and how they are model Christ-likeness in those very things that we fail so often. So, Father, we would be ever glorifying the Father through our walk, through glorifying you and becoming uh, like Christ. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would not keep our eyes off the goal, that we would keep our eyes on the prize, that we would reach forward, God, to become like you. And, and Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would help uh, us be examples to others as well. Help us to be examples, Lord, fathers to their children, husbands to their wives, wives to those in their own household, God. Lord, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to be an example to this congregation. God, I pray that I would be an example of one that's growing in grace, one that models Christ-likeness in all things. Lord, as you have revealed in Scripture, help us, God. We pray, we desperately, we need your grace, God, to, to model these things, to, to love others, to have a genuine care for others, God, to seek the glory of Christ first in all things. Lord, we need your help to do that, God, because we are so naturally sinful, so naturally selfish. We pray that you would be glorified in that Christ would be king. Lord, we pray those that are not in Christ, Lord, that they would come to faith through repentance, that they, Lord, would not seek to just merely...
become more moral, God, that they would seek to forsake all of their morality and forsake all of their righteousness that they thought they had and that they would come to Christ by, by faith alone. Father, I thank you again for blessing us with this facility. I pray that we would use it for your glory, that Christ would be honored, the gospel would be preached, souls would be saved, and your elect would be sanctified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.